It's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. That crazy starts with an earthquake, birds, snakes, and aeroplanes. Many fruits are not afraid. I have a machine, listen to yourself, the world, but it don't need something to your own head. Speed it up and I've seen that no seats. The ladder from the platter with the fear fight down. Like fire in a fire, with the system of the gang, the government for hiring the combat site. But you wasn't coming in a hurry, but you're eating it down your neck. Welcome to the Doom and Bloom Hour with medical preparedness experts, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Your source for information on how to succeed if everything else fails. And now, your hosts, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. This is the hour of doom. For turkeys. <laughs> and bloom for those who are eating them. <laughs> <laughs> hey, friends and neighbors, welcome to the Doom and Bloom Survival Medicine Hour, a time of triumph in a Trumpian world. I'm Joel, MD, also known as Dr. Bones of doomandbloom.net, where you'll find close to 900 posts, maybe even hit 900 already, videos and podcasts on medical preparedness for any disaster. And I'm Nurse Amy, also known as Amy Alton. I am an advanced registered nurse practitioner and a certified nurse midwife. And the hostess with the mostest, absolutely. Our mission, to put a medically prepared person in every family for any disaster. Together, we are the gang of two, the (laughs) dynamic duo, the perfect pair, the courageous couple, the whatever we are. Well, happy Thanksgiving to you also. Uh, well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, <laughs> And to all those out there listening. That's right. We've had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Oh, yes. With the family. We had got together everybody and had a good time. A good time was had by all. And I got to see both of my daughters. Yay. Yay. And we didn't talk <laughs> politics for the most part. Um, Not no, much. No, maybe slightly, but... But absolutely no uh, disagreements. Shocking. Shocking is the answer. (laughs) Everyone was pretty much on the same page. I love it. It's hard to believe. Friends and neighbors, have you been injured in an accident with a... What? What? With a a what? Injurious iguanas. Iguanas. Uh-huh. We got a lot of iguanas down we here. We do have so iguanas that down is here. Possible. They can actually survive down here. <laughs> well, don't worry. You yes. are going to be okay. Our attorney, however, says don't call him. Call Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. That's us. And listen to this. <laughs> All information given and opinions voiced on Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy's Survival Medicine Hour are only for entertainment purposes only. That's right. And do not represent medical advice for anything other than post-apocalyptic settings. That's a very narrow window, folks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no contract or provider-patient relationship exists or is implied between the hosts and listeners. Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy strongly urge their audience to seek modern and standard medical care whenever and wherever it is available. Good advice, but... In these uncertain times, it might not be such a bad idea to learn what to do for injuries and illness. True. That is just smart. 
And you know what would be smarter? Would be to get some supplies. Don't you think that's a good idea? Maybe even from guess who's Nurse Amy's entire <laughs> line of often imitated, never equaled medical kits at store.doomandbloom.net. Shameless plug. No, and you know what else no is an easy involved. thing to remember is altonfirstaid.com. That's right. So you it'll can go forward, there too. It'll forward you to the store. Very good. Yes. You are the bomb. Hey, what's the gist, survivalist? You know what? We learn as much from you, maybe more, than you do from us. So connect with us. It's so easy. And here's the lovely nurse Amy to tell you how. Yes, you can always contact us by email at drbonespodcast at aol.com. Find us on Facebook um, at our group, Survival Medicine, Dr. Bones, and Nurse Amy. We have a couple of Facebook pages, Doom and Bloom and Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy Show. We also have, um, what's the other one? American Survival oh, Radio. What, what? Yeah, we can, you can talk about that too, but I'm talking about oh, for Facebook. Oh, Facebook, Doom and Bloom, uh, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. I already did the other one. Oh, I know. I wanted to say your personal page. Oh, right. <laughs> Joe Alt. I knew there was a fourth one. Joe Alton, MD. That's right. I think it just says Joe Alton. Does it say MD? I'm pretty sure I there's an MD there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Joe, well, because you imagine how many Joe Altons there are in the world. Ha! Huh, only one. Pretty, <laughs> only one here, baby. You can also follow us on Twitter at Prepper Show. Don't forget our YouTube channel at Dr. Bones Nurse Amy. We also have an, the other podcast, which you mentioned a second ago, American Survival Radio, which is broadcast from KPJC, and which is relevant. I said News that right. Did, <laughs> relevant. This time, relevant. I always want to say something else. News Talk Radio out of Salem, Oregon, and the voice of Lubbock, Texas, Radio KRFE. That is absolutely And again, right. I want to say a happy Thanksgiving to all you folks out there. I hope you had a blessed day, that your tummies were full, and you had lots of laughter and not disagreements. And now you're getting to shopping for Christmas. Oh, my gosh. Do you, I, I want to say something before you start talking about shopping. Um, my One of my daughters who's here from New York City, this is going to be her first true winter. Because she not only grew up in Florida, but she went to school at FSU. So she's not experienced any serious winter. She just moved to New York City, Brooklyn. In not my idea. June. No. Was, <laughs> well, she had, she was up there for an internship and just kind of, I don't know. She like likes it. it. She's young. She's yeah, young. Big city, you know. So young. So, but she's going to freeze to death. Yeah. Because she weighs nothing. She's the skinniest little thing, poor thing. And... Uh, so we went shopping, and the store owners told us that they were opening at 10 a.m. on Thanksgiving. Day. And they had wow. to work Thanksgiving day. Not Black Friday, not at midnight. 10 a.m. yesterday, while a lot of people were having family dinners and family get-togethers, these folks, these retail folks, were forced to work by their corporate corporate offices. And I have to say that that is just really horrible. I hope that they don't do this next year. I just, I feel really, really awful. Now, uh, it was Sawgrass Mall in Sunrise, Florida. Not every store opted to open, but it was uh, up to their corporate office as to whether they were. Some of the stores we went in said they were opening. They were not closing until midnight. 
from 10 a.m. to midnight. They were going to go home and open the store back up at 6 a.m. this morning. Which means they have to be there at 5, they essentially. Said that, well, and you, you close an hour after, you know, they actually leave an hour after the store closes, and they have to get an hour early. So they only had four hours at home. Wow. Terrible, terrible. Yuck do. You know Cruel what? and unusual Folks, punishment. I know we all want to go shopping, and you want those great deals, but it is certainly terribly unfair for these folks who had to work yesterday, and they all had to work pretty much the entire shift. Well, you have our sympathy, and we hope that... No you... shopping is worth that. I, I, that's absolutely right. That's like opening all the malls on Christmas Day. It's just not fair, anyway. Terrible. That's my two cents. Well, you know, we've been talking about, the last couple of shows, we've been talking about respiratory infections. Last time we talked about... Uh, oh, yeah, we had a part one. Exactly. We talked about colds. We talked about influenza. We how, talked to, tell about how to tell the difference right, That's right. So, between the two of them, so the check symptoms. out last week's show if you want to hear about that. Pretty today, significant difference in the symptoms. Yes. And things like the fever and... right. Exactly. So, you get much more. It's much deeper. Oh, and the body aches yeah. mm-hmm. when you have the flu. It's, oh, it's very murder. hard to get out of bed. But most people can go to work. They shouldn't, but they can go to work with a common cold. So uh, you should check out those differences in symptoms. Now, we'll talk a little bit about some other types of infections. And I want to start by talking about pharyngitis. Now, throat inflammation due to pharyngitis. By the way, Pharyngitis is just Latin for throat inflammation. <laughs> or, or, it's a fancy word. Right. So a sore throat is colloquial terms for is a colloquial term for that. Uh, it's part and parcel of many respiratory syndromes that you see. And I want to let people know most pharyngitis is viral in nature. That means that antibiotics aren't much help, but uh, they are a specific. There's a specific bacteria that is a, that could cause a sore throat and that that you need to know about and that's called strep throat that is streptococcus pyogenes uh, also known as group a strep and it can affect the throat the tonsils the sinuses the ear canal the whole shebang to tell yes i i, I just want to say something specific about that this is not a i have a sore throat this is oh my goodness my throat is killing me right that these symptoms are not you know, that sort of mild sore throat from a post-nasal drip. This is a serious pain in your throat. You, It's very hard to to not figure out that this is a lot more serious than just some post-nasal drip. Something's seriously wrong with your throat, and you feel it. Absolutely. And you, as the medic, might have to make that diagnosis. And if you do, obviously, you need to look at the person's throat, at the back of their throat. Yep, say ah. That's right. But before you have them say ah, I strongly suggest putting on a mask and gloves, especially if you're going to put your finger in their mouth to take a look or, you know, hold on to a tongue depressor. Tongue depressor, right. Things like that. If you don't put a mask on, you could easily be the next casualty. Well, think about it. You're up in someone's face looking into their mouth, and what are they doing? They're breathing on you. That's right. Maybe they even cough a little bit on you. Right, and these particles. Or sneeze or something. Exactly. and You never know. It is easily spread through droplet contamination, so please, please be careful. Now, strep throat is going to reveal swollen tonsils. If you have tonsils, they may be swollen. They'll have some white spots on it. On the back of the throat, you'll see red spots or white spots. And this will usually be, especially in a kid, will 
be associated with a high fever, kids get headaches too, and usually they don't have so much a cough or a runny nose. Or even sneezing, right? Right, exactly. And so that should give you a good clue that that's what you're talking about. Right. And what you do for it is you give some amoxicillin. that You can find that as fish mox. For adults, it would be 500 milligrams a day, three times, 500 milligrams three times a day, excuse me, for right. seven to ten days. You can also use uh, Keflex or Fishflex. Um, that would be actually the same dose, but four times a day, 500 milligrams, four times a day for seven to ten days, and that will help treat sore throat. Now, there are people who are allergic to penicillin, and those people should consider taking something like clindamycin. Fishsin is uh, another term for it or a, ver- uh, a veterinary equivalent for it, 300 milligrams orally four times a day, and that will be fine for people that are allergic to penicillin. Of it course, in normal times, see your doctor. Absolutely. Yes, do not diagnose these things yourself because you could end up taking an antibiotic and somehow you have some viral infection. They have throat cultures that show this up. In fact, I think they have pretty much cultures that they can do with instant tests. Yes. You know, in office, you don't have to wait the three or four days that we used to have to wait for things to grow in a lab, but they actually have tests, so they could tell you before you walk out of the office what you have and appropriately treat it, which is, you know, a, a great thing for someone with a sore throat because, boy, when it hurts, it really, yeah. really hurts. Medical progress, but you may not have these modern tests in a true disaster setting, so always make sure that you know the symptoms that we mentioned and the signs of it in, by looking at the back of the throat. Yep. Now, the interesting thing is that strep throat will not kill you, but there is an infection in that area that could kill you, and that is known as epiglottitis. You have a structure near the back of the throat called the epiglottis, essentially a flap of skin that keeps food from going into the windpipe. Sometimes hiccups are related to that. Mm-hmm. Now, Viruses, bacteria, even allergies can cause inflammation and swelling of this area. If it does do that, that's bad because if the epiglottis becomes enlarged as a result of swelling and stuff like that, it could actually close off the ability of air to pass into the lungs. That's, and so that's bad. That usually happens if it does happen to kids, and which is even worse. And these kids have a certain look. They tend to sit forward as they are trying to get air. And sometimes you'll see because of the blockage and, and things not be, uh, saliva not being able to get down into the stomach, then and not being able to swallow it, you might actually see a child like this drooling. And so that's, that's a big issue. Now, if it's severe enough, the swelling can be life-threatening. You got to look for fever coupled with hoarseness when they talk and diff- or difficulty talking or difficulty breathing. And many times you'll hear a high-pitched whistle, and that's called strider, S-T-R-I-D-O-R, and that is a sign of partial airway blockage. You can see that sometimes if a kid swallows a peanut the wrong way, things like that can cause strider. <clears throat> and these kids will need advanced care to keep the airway open. Sometimes they need endotracheal tubes. Sometimes they need IV antibiotics. Sometimes they even do a tracheotomy, for goodness sake, to try to get some air into that child. So uh, we actually write about tracheotomy in our book, The uh, Survival Medicine Handbook. And 
Unfortunately, you probably will have difficulty finding, of course, IV antibiotics that are, will be readily available for you. And you could have endotracheal tubes. That might help open the airway, but if the child needs some kind of modern respiratory support, well, you might be out of luck with regards to that. So it, it could be a, a very serious issue, especially in uh, a backcountry, off-grid survival setting. Now let's talk a little bit about sinusitis. We're, we're still sort of un, in the head here with regards to respiratory infections. And your sinuses are these air-filled spaces. They're paired. You have one on each side They're, that are in the skull. They surround the nose, I would guess, would be the main landmark. And you have several different types that are, you have a frontal sinus on, on your brow. You have uh, sigmoid, ethmoid sinuses, excuse me, that are around your cheeks and, and places like that. Different types of sinuses, but they're all essentially a group, grouped around your nose if you think about it. Now, sinus infections, call those sinusitis, uh, occur when germ-laden fluid fills these compartments. It can be caused by viruses, can be caused by bacterial infections, can be related even to allergies, non-infectious causes. I'll bet a lot of people have experienced that as well. And common signs here would be, unlike a pharyngitis, would be a thick mucus congestion. Sometimes you'll see them see it be yellow or green in color. It could be pretty nasty looking. Uh, your, your face may hurt. It's killing me. <laughs> <laughs> At your, you have, may have discomfort <laughs> in, in, in your face, behind, you know, on your cheeks or in your brow, things like that. You'll have, you may have a low-grade fever. Uh, your breath may even be an issue. And if you're having trouble uh, absorbing these these uh, phlegms, I guess not phlegms, because it's not coming from there. These this discharge from your sinuses. Mm -hmm. Well, indeed, you might indeed have some cough. Now, some people notice that they have trouble smelling things, and it's not always every sinus that's affected. It might just be one particular one. In that case, you'll see that per, uh, you'll see the discomfort in a particular area on your face. So there are different types. There's a maxillary sinusitis that's be just below your your nose and to the side. And in that case, you would feel some pain or pressure in the area of the cheek. Sometimes you'll see that. Also with dental infections, so always make sure that you keep an eye on people's dental health. The frontal sinus, which I mentioned is on the brow, you'll feel it in the forehead area. The ethmoid sinus, you'll feel pressure maybe uh, between or behind the eyes, around the bridge of the nose. That would be it. And there's also another one called the sphenoid sinus, and that sphenoidal sinusitis will cause pressure behind the eyes. So, And sometimes even near the ears. So it's an interesting set of symptoms that may be different depending on the sinus that's infected. Um, if you lay down or if you bend over, you may feel more discomfort. So that might be a sign that tells you you have sinusitis. And unfortunately, sinusitis can last a long time. It could last four weeks, can last more than, more than eight weeks in chronic cases, and can recur various times a year, sometimes in the spring for people that have aller allergic-related, uh, and oftentimes, of course, during cold and flu season. Now, to tell the difference between a virus <clears throat> and a bacteria in this circumstance, uh, viral sinusitis is usually a little shorter in duration. Um, of course, you want to treat the sinusitis with decongestants to try to dry up that area. Right. But uh, if you happen to have a bacterial sinusitis, well, you know, it's just not going away. You have 
uh, some fever associated with it. It might be best treated with antibiotics like amoxicillin, fish mox, 500 milligrams orally three times a day, this time for about two weeks. Now there is, as we start moving down uh, into the uh, lung passages, we have to pass through the voice box, right? Mm -hmm. That's called the uh, the larynx. And laryngitis, you probably have heard of that, is it's an inflammation of the larynx. And in that circumstance, people become very hoarse or they lose the ability to speak due to irritation and swelling of the vocal cords. And that could also can be caused by viral and bacterial organisms. And you may notice redness in the area if you happen to have special instruments that allow you to see that far. So that's something that very few people wind up being able to see, especially with limited uh, equipment. Right. There's something called tracheitis, which is the area <clears throat> just below. It's sort of the main windpipe that goes down to into the uh, lung passages. And uh, oftentimes this is characterized as an upper respiratory infection, although most doctors consider it part of the lower respiratory tract. And in this case, you have that strider, that high-pitched whistle. You might have a a weird cough that sounds like a bark, and you definitely will have some fever in most cases. Uh, when it's not caused by a virus, it's usually staph, Staphylococcus aureus, Staph aureus, that's probably what's causing it. And this area here in general is a main, pro- a major problem with children. Children get a type of laryngotracheitis that is known as, uh, popularly, as croup. And it's certainly not popular to have it because it is miserable oh, for the horrible. poor child. It's a common pediatric and infection. And it's scary for the parent, too, the sound. Oh, yeah. Usually, croup is viral. It's fairly common in young children. And uh, sometimes in, in toddlers mm-hmm. are very common. They commonly right, have it. Right. And that has a distinctive cough itself. It sounds, again, like a, a bark, like a dog or, or a seal barking. <laughs> You know, that's yeah. how they sort of sound. I can't even... I you was going to try and copy it, but it's been so long since I've heard it. <laughs> Luckily for you. I can't, I can't do it, but it's terrible. It's this terrible sound because they're having trouble getting air in and oh, out. Oh, yeah. It's terrible. They have difficulty Oof. breathing. They've got a fever. They've, their nose is right. They're miserable, these poor kids. And oftentimes, you can expect the symptoms to be really bad at night. So you wind, the kid winds up not getting sleep. You wind up not getting sleep because you're up with the child. And and if they have difficulty Frankly, breathing, it's you heartbreaking. Just, you just need to stare at the child the entire time. I'm sorry. Uh, it is just the scariest thing because kids can die from this. Oh, yeah. my uh, All my kids had, at one point or another, some version of this croup. And Mine, too. It was really, really troubled, troubling, especially the difficulty breathing. Because that often cause uh, that difficulty breathing scares the child, and the child becomes therefore more agitated, more scared, and it makes guess what a worsening cycle that can lead to real Ugh. narrowing of the airways, and it is a problem. I mean, it looks pretty obvious when kids have it; you're pretty sure you know what it is. But and don't don't be afraid to get the kid to the hospital or call nine one one. Right. In that never way. be ne- never be fearful of doing that because it's always better to be safe than sorry. That's right. The only thing I would say is you want to rule out a foreign object there. You want to rule out uh, epiglottitis, which we talked about. But all of these things would be best dealt with in normal times, at least. 
Absolutely. at the local emergency room. Absolutely. Now, what they do is that other than keeping your child calm, which you need to be there for that and treating the symptoms, um, relief is sometimes given with like an oral steroid or sometimes they do a nebulizer, which is basically they put a mask on you and they have epinephrine or, or some other kind of drug that they uh, sort of spray into right. your uh, your airways uh, via a mask. The other thing um, I did, and you could also do in a survival situation, is isolate an area either with um, plastic or within a tent. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, if you're in survival, get really hot rocks mm-hmm. that are from the fire. Obviously, you have to transfer them in some sort of giant... Dutch oven would be an excellent carrier. Get that into that small contained area and then put water over the rocks. Mm -hmm. You're going to have a nice steam area. Now, if you're at home and the child's breathing okay, but, you know, just kind of clogged up, turn on the hot shower. Right. Shut the door to the bathroom. Yeah, don't, don't put the child in the hot shower. Leave the shower curtain open. And just sit with the child on your lap, either on the floor or, you know, with the toilet seat closed, with, you know, holding the child closely so the child feels calm. And just let the the small room get nice and steamy. Mm-hmm. And that steam really does help uh, loosen up the junky mucus that's clogging up their airways. Yes. Um, wh- I, I whether, remember many whether nights it's croup, in which I've done that. Oh, yeah. Whether it's croup. Um, or even sinus infections, you know, it's it helps to loosen up the the airways and you breathe a lot better. So, a uh, steamy room, either hot rocks with water or in a bathroom with the hot shower. Good advice, young lady. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit. Let's even go further down. We're going now into the bronchi. Oh, the wait. bronchi are. I have one more hint. Oh, okay. Yes. I, just this is uh, something that we haven't mentioned. We've always talked about hand hygiene. But one thing people don't think about is your toothbrush. Mm. If you're sick or the child is sick, throw that toothbrush away because it's possible that some of those germs, viral or bacteria, may po- living there, yeah. possibly reinfect either that child or someone else who picks up that toothbrush and maybe accidentally uses someone else's toothbrush. So... Throw your toothbrush away. Get new toothbrushes when somebody is sick. They're so cheap. They're at the dollar store. You can get between that, one and hint. four of them at the dollar, yeah. at the dollar store. Good um, idea. And, of course, don't share food or beverages. Drink out of someone else's cup. Take a bite of a sandwich after someone else who's sick takes a bite of it. Um, and then, you know, of course, we've always talked about washing your hands Frequently, and you don't have to use antibacterial soap. It's actually not legal anymore. Right. Well, uh, they not, actually. It's not, it's not legal. It's just not on the market anymore. Right. You'll find the soap there, but uh, 19 or 18 or 19 different substances that make up antibacterial soaps. Uh, triclosan is one that's in, for example, dial mm-hmm. antibacterial soap, have been outlawed right. or banned because banned. they have... We'll call it banned, not okay. outlawed. You're not going to go to jail. Yes, <laughs> <It's>, right. <laughs> yes, that's true. You must throw your antibacterial okay. soap away. Or else. but uh, It's just not necessary. Right. They found they found that it really didn't make much yeah. difference in the number of infections that occur. Silly. And indeed that it might kill uh, some good bacteria that you right. might have on your skin. Exactly. So so that's that. So now, a little prevention and, and to keep it from transferring from 
person to person, which is really important. You don't want others to get sick. Absolutely. So let's see, we were talking about or starting to talk about the bronchitis. Now, bronchitis is an inflammation of the bronchi, and these are the airways that actually are branching out in the actual lungs and and get air to the, um, the little cells that actually can absorb oxygen from the air. Now, it's hard to say this without using technical words like alveoli. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's put it this way. They called it in the past a chest cold. Right. So bronchitis is this like is a chest cold. Simple terminology. 90% of cases are caused by viruses. And what happens when the bronchi that carry air into your lungs become inflamed, their lining swells and the breathing passages narrow. And this inflamed lining produces mucus and phlegm way down there which oftentimes causes difficulty breathing and Mm -hmm. you're hacking stuff up. So that's what we call a productive cough and a cough that puts up a lot of phlegm or Mm -hmm. sputum. And this can be clear, it could be whitish, it could be even yellowish green. You may wheeze a little bit, uh, have that musical... (laughs) Was that a wheeze? No, that was good. All right, was that a good wheeze? And also... But some people also have that, a sort of like a snoring a sound, especially if you listen to the lung. It sounds... <clears throat> oh, deep inside. Yeah, right. if you listen with a stethoscope. Like that. And I would definitely recommend that you have a stethoscope. And, of course, you should listen to some normal lungs before things go bad. And you can get an idea of what a normal lung sounds mm-hmm. like when you're breathing in and breathing out. And that will give you, obviously, an idea when there are abnormal sounds there. So that that's something. So we you'll be able to hear wheezes. You'll be able to hear the snoring sounds. They're called ronchi, by the way, ronchi. And like most colds uh, or influenzas, the cough and bronchitis tends to hang around for a long period of time after the rest of the symptoms disappear. I mean, if, so if a cough fails to go away after the normal time for a cold or a flu, well, or if it recurs Frequently over the course of time, you might consider chronic bronchitis as one of the possibilities. It can actually be caused by long-term cigarette smoking. That's called chronic bronchitis. Uh, also, dust, other pollutants right. may cause Exposure. it. And it can cause permanent damage to the lungs. Or if you have some manufacturing facility around that's putting out a lot of pollution, um, and or you live in some place like L.A. where there's a smog. constant smog, smog layer smog, over smog. that. Yes. Nitrogen dioxide and all Oof. sorts of other horrible, horrible things. Absolutely. Uh, in normal times, they give steroids for this. They, they use that to treat the condition as well as medications that open your airways that are called bronchodilators. Yes, and I just want to mention, um, if you've ever been given something called Medrol Dose Pack, that was the steroid to decrease the inflammation right. in your lungs. Exactly. That's what it was. So... Those are definitely some of the things that they use to treat bronchitis. Antibiotics are reserved usually for suspected bacterial cases, in other words, cases that don't go away on their own over time. So that, again, amoxicillin, fish mox, 500 milligrams orally three times a day, or maybe doxycycline, bird biotic, 100 milligrams orally twice a day. Those are options for this condition. Now, the, finally, we get all the way down to the very ends of the, the down to the cells called alve, alveoli that allow you to, it's actually little air sacs, sacs like little sacs. Tiny little like. sacs. All the way, and that's what uh, in your lung allows you to actually absorb oxygen and get oxygen 
Yeah, it's to where the, rest the exchange happens. Exactly. Right. And pneumonia is an infection, or some people call it pneumonitis, is an infection that affects the part of the lungs that absorbs oxygen from the atmosphere. Now, these air sacs fill with fluid or pus instead of oxygen, air and oxygen, in pneumonia, and they prevent oxygen from entering the body. So pneumonia can be viral, it can be bacterial, it could even be fungal, in, especially in people with weakened immune systems. Most cases in adults, adults are bacterial. Indeed, the cause of death in many cases uh, of influenza is that people get weak, their immune system gets weak, and they get a bacterial, a secondary bacterial infection. Uh, viral pneumonia is more common in kids, I would say, less than five years of age. Pneumonia appears to begin with, like the flu, and indeed, that's probably what it is in the beginning. Uh, so you may, you'll have a high fever, productive cough, shortness of breath, chest pain, fatigue, and when that infection fails to go away after seven to ten days, the usual time for flu to go away, well, you suspect pneumonia as the primary diagnosis or as the secondary infection caused by the weakened immune system that I mentioned. Well, I just want to say one thing about strep, that there's actually a home test for this. I thought there was, but then I thought they had taken them off the market. But lo and behold, there are at least a couple of brands for strep A home testing Okay, so that's that strep, you can buy. strep throat. Let's see, what, what is the name of the... Uh... This one is AccuStrep. And but folks, I'm not A C C U S T R I P. So yes. you can look for it. Accustrip Strep A is what right. You're and another to get. one is called Easy at Home, and the at is the at sign. Uh huh. Like like when you're using you're, Twitter, folks. Okay. Is it another one? Easy at Home Arita A R E T A. Okay, but, test strips. But you don't need a prescription. It's at home. And there's 25 tests in this kit. I've yeah, you might consider getting never one of those tried kits. these, folks. But it says it's FDA. Look, FDA, FDA approved. approved. All right, so have some testing. of those in your medical storage. I remember storage. seeing them, but I I wasn't sure if they still had them on the market. You know, there's there's a lot of controversy with doctors. You know, how how much do you want people to self-diagnose? And what if they swab the wrong area or not enough, and they say, oh, I don't have strep, and they end up staying home and and just getting worse. So there's goods and bads to home tests. Um, but if, certainly, of course, if you're worried about a survival situation, the medic may consider getting these. I don't know what the expiration date is on how long these tests last. It does not say. It probably lasts longer than the expiration date. But it is FDA approved. Well, so. there you go. The now, uh, Let's see. So what you would do to keep an eye on things is you would be listening to the lungs. And in people that have pneumonia, in other words, it's partially fluid or pus-filled uh, air sacs, right. uh, it usually is in one part of the lung first before it spreads to the rest. And you'll hear this bubbling or crackling noises, almost like snap, crackle, pop. Let's see if I can uh, make that sound. I think it's... What is that, Rice Krispies? I think it's just... Sounds like, like that. that yeah. it, it sounds a little bit like that, and we call those particular sounds RALS, R A L E S. Yes. And so that's pronounced RALS or rails. Not rails. Call it, I, no, you called it rails. We did. I call it rails. We did. Oh. 
So potato, potato, right, tomato, tomato. <laughs> now, the problem is, is is that if somebody is really bad and they're, the air sacs are completely filled with fluid, no air is getting down there at all. In those cases, you might not hear any lung sounds at all. So if you have a part of the person's chest that should have kind of air silent. sounds, yeah. but it's silent, well, you may have a pretty serious infection. Right. Now, antibiotics are commonly used to treat pneumonia, as most uh, cases of these, as I mentioned, are bacterial in origin, and some effective drugs for this would be amoxicillin, like I mentioned, mm -hmm. uh, bird biotic, doxycycline, uh, keflex, um, cephalexin, erythromycin might work, clindamycin, fish sin that I mentioned before might work, uh, azithromycin, uh, which I think is sold as aquatic azithromycin, might be helpful. That's the z pack that uh, sometimes you're given for respiratory infections, and, and that you can find that in aquatic form. Uh, occasionally, the organism that causes pneumonia could be a fungus, and one of the common ones is called co uh, coccidio, coccidioid mycosis, and also known as valley fever. You see that in places you like Arizona. You have a memory. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you had some symptoms of that might have been related to that. I still once after a trip I some years need, ago. No, I still need to get tested. I still think I have it. it it's been three years of coughing. Yeah. So for well, anyone who's listened to our show, you hear it every once in a while. <laughs> sometimes it's better. Sometimes it's worse. What can I say? <laughs> the the uh, treatment for that could be a antiviral, a antifungal agent like uh, fluconazole. Uh, Diflucan is its brand name. It, we give 400 milligrams to 800 milligrams a day. Unfortunately, that drug is by prescription, prescription. only. So that is that is the issue with these kinds of uh, yeast, uh, fungal type mm -hmm. pneumonias is that it's very hard to get medicine that in for you know, store for your storage that would actually probably work. my issue is I haven't taken that dosage. Uh -huh. I've only done 200 milligrams. Uh -huh. Yes, it comes in 100, 200. I, th I don't know if it even comes in 400 No, you or have to take multiples. Doses on a, on a daily basis. And you have basis. to be careful about that, too. It can have some side effects. Like everything, yeah. of course. Now, there's another... <laughs> don't just take these things willy-nilly. Yeah. There's another type of pneumonia called aspiration pneumonia, which is what happens when you inhale food or drink or uh, vomit, for example, uh, Jim Morrison of the Doors and probably a lot of other rock singers that were on drugs uh, were found to have died from aspirating vomit, for example, that sounds like into a their lungs. horrible way to die. It probably you was, wonder, but they were on heroin, so they probably well, didn't notice. But it's possible they woke up when they started choking, you know, yes. and just couldn't, do anything. couldn't get out of it because they were so drugged up that they were conscious of Something terrible is happening to me. Sounds horrible. It is Don't horrible. do drugs, folks. Now, let's talk about treating viral respiratory infections. Of course, there is no cure, so therefore antibiotics are ineffective. Do not give antibiotics if you suspect the virus. There are a few <laughs> antiviral medications for infections, like uh, in infections like influenza. Uh, let's see, what is it? Ol Oseltamivir, which is also known as Tamiflu, right. or Zanamivir which is known as Relenza. These are common prescription medications that shorten the course of the infection, but they only do it if you take it within 48 hours of the symptoms appearing. Beginning, exactly. Absolutely. After the 40, first 48 hours, you notice a lot less effect, and that is 
that is a problem. So if you get sick Friday afternoon after your doctor's office is closed, you can't wait till Monday right. to call the office. It's too late. Right. That's Ask why, your doctor. Exactly. I was just going to say the same thing. It's not a bad idea. And I can't imagine any physician or nurse practitioner refusing to give you a prescription for Tamiflu just in case you get sick on a Friday afternoon or maybe during a holiday season when it's hard to reach them. So tell your doctor or nurse practitioner, flu season's coming up. I would really like to have a prescription for Tamiflu. Can you write it for me so I can keep it at home just in case I know I need to start it right away? Very few people will, I doctors will refuse that. I highly doubt you will find someone that refuses to give you that prescription. And therefore, you can keep it not in your bathroom where it's humid. We talked about storing medications. Right. In a dry, dark cool location and not your freezer (laughs) good idea good idea now if you have a cold of course you have to concentrate your treatment on the particular symptom no cure for a cold as of yet so nasal decongestants for a runny nose sore throat lozenges for pharyngitis i need one right now Uh, (laughs) you want me to get you (laughs) oh we have these really good honey drops we got from i know that'll be slobbering all over the place um (laughs) Ibuprofen, acetaminophen for muscle aches, fevers, things like that. Steam inhalation we mentioned could help breathing. And, of course, good hydration. That can thin out a thick phlegm. There's also a medication called guanefacin, which also also loosens up the phlegm, helps get Get it by itself, though, folks. Don't get these multi-symptom medicines. Get ibuprofen by itself. Get Sudafed, the real stuff, by itself. Um, get the guaifenesin by itself. If you're going to need Benadryl, get it by itself. I hate these combination pill, uh, drugs. The other thing that I, I don't recommend is these long ones, the ones that last for 24 hours. If you have a, a side effect two hours after you take this, you've got 22 more hours to suffer with it. So take single-ingredient medications. That way, if you have a problem, you know which one gave you the issue. Now, I'm sure that people want to know how to spell guanefacin. That's G-U-A-N-E-F-E-S-I-N. And it's not easy to find. Uh, You have to find it as a single ingredient. That's right. Just ask your pharmacist uh, and get some of that. It's over over the counter. That stuff is over the counter. Um, cough suppressants, I'm not a big fan of those. Sometimes it may be helpful. But remember, coughing helps remove some of this thick mucus. Right. You really shouldn't suppress it that much unless it's so bad that you just can't breathe at all or or it doesn't allow you to rest or it doesn't allow... Well, the guaifenesin is going to help because it's going to thin it out. So it's not mm. so hard to cough it out. Right. That's what helps your body get rid of all of that junk in there, that mucus, that thick stuff, is the guaifenesin thins it out so you don't have to hack to death to get these big chunks out. It comes out much easier. Right. Oh, I hope right. that's descriptive I, enough for people. I will say is I misspelled it. It's G-U-A-I-N-E-F-E-S-I-N. Yes. So Okay, so there we go. Um, of course, antibiotics, discourage those unless absolutely necessary. Let's face it, in a survival setting, you only have a certain amount, so you want to only use it when absolutely necessary. Mm-hmm. But if you really feel you have a pneumonia going on there, well, you might consider using it. These people will just have worsening shortness of breath, worsening phlegm, right. uh, other symptoms, fever over the course of time, despite the usual therapy. Now, sometimes these people start getting better, but then... 
they relapse and get much worse. Those are people that I would suspect of having have bacterial now pneumonia. went from viral and now into bacterial. That's right. Infections. Now, if you had to pick somebody that would be more at risk for this, I would say it's the elderly. Mm-hmm. Or someone with an immune system uh, compromise. Disorder, right. right. Yeah. Uh, or compromise, you're right. Um, and pneumonia, as a matter of fact, has been called the old man's friend. That's because, terrible. Because it relieves their suffering for good. I know, but that's awful. <laughs> I don't like that. That sounds terrible. Just because oh, I'm an old man? I know. You, mm. you don't need any relief of suffering, darling. <laughs> okay. um, the steam. A couple things you might want to add to uh, the hot rock therapy. Or there's another way to do it if you're an adult. You don't want to do this with a child because they might put their face in the water. But you can get a bowl of pretty hot, steamy water. Not boiling, but really, really hot. Um Put it on a, a surface and then take a large towel or a, a thick blanket over your head. And don't touch your face to the water, but let, just let that steam come off the bowl of water. It can avoid running up your water bill if you have the hot shower on. But put in that bowl of water or even in the hot rocks, if you're going to do that with the water you pour over it, put a couple drops of eucalyptus essential oil or maybe a couple drops of peppermint. Don't overdo it. Um, that stuff can burn your eyes. So a little bit of peppermint or the eucalyptus will help open up the airways. It, it really does increase the, the amount of the, the effectiveness of the humidity. Good idea. Now, both upper and lower respiratory infections are different than asthma. Asthma is different. It's not yes. an infection. It's condition where airways become constricted as a spasm. It's a wheezing sound you'll hear on... Uh, you you either hear it, you just hear it for with your ears, and, and it you comes hear on it suddenly. You hear it with uh, That's stethoscope. The That's the difference. Right. It's it's just like, bam, little Susie's fine, and ten minutes later, little Susie's going. <gasps> she could have been exposed to something she's right. allergic a, to. A very peanut, common. Right. Strawberries, eggs. Right. Are are a big uh, allergy. Shellfish. Mm-hmm. People who might have tried, you know, a child who's had some shrimp for the first time. So, you know, look out for these things. If it happens immediately, that is a 911 immediate emergency. You have got to call 911, get these kids to the hospital as soon as possible. They need help. It could completely close off their airway. Now, people with a severe asthma, they might get better with epinephrine injections, yes. you know, things like Especially that. Yes, the known diagnosis. Right. If the, right. you know somebody has this, they should be carrying or taking medication on a regular basis that helps to decrease their risk of having these attacks. Well, they might be confused but between asthma and croup. And remember that croup usually has a fever associated with it. Right. Asthma does not. Right. So that's very, very important. So. This is something that's important to know. Mm -hmm. Hey, you know, have you ever felt the joy and (laughs) satisfaction you get from helping the elderly? I do all the time. I'm elderly. (laughs) I'm elderly, yeah. How about helping this old man and your family 
<clears throat> by getting a copy of our brand new third edition of the Survival Medicine Handbook, The Essential Guide for When Medical Help is Not on the Way. You'll get 700 pages, 700 of over 150 different medical topics that you might have to confront in a disaster epidemic or zombie apocalypse. <laughs> Find it on Amazon.com or you can go to our website at doomandbloom.net if you want a signed copy. Uh, I think that it is an awesome idea. We would love to be in your survival library, and I hope that you would be glad you put us there. Next time, we'll talk about natural remedies for respiratory infections, but let's talk about something else that also is very important for survival. Let's talk about foot care. Oh, yeah. Now, why are we going to talk about foot care? Well, people are going shopping. And what happens when you go shopping? You walk a lot. So let's talk about what you can do to help keep your feet in good condition, keep from getting blisters and all kinds of terrible things happening to you. And if you don't take care of your feet, guess what? They are not going to take care of you. Unless you're Cody Lundin or Fred Flintstone, uh, some major thought needs to be uh, taken as to what you're going to do to uh, take care of your feet when you're out there walking so much. And I think one of the first things you have to think about is what shoes you're wearing. Of course, the ladies are wearing our sandals. Sometimes uh, the younger folks are wearing high heels. That is not the shoes that you need to be wearing when you're going to walk a lot. Frankly, who cares what our feet look like? How many times are you looking at other people's shoes? We just don't. It's an ego thing. So let go of the ego and think about the shoes you're wearing. So what are some issues when you're considering what shoes to even buy before you decide what you're wearing? Shoe changes occur actually as we get older. Our feet grow a little bit. Maybe they're a little swollen. It might happen after a pregnancy. So you know, take care to think about, do my shoes still fit me? When you go to the store and you're going to be buying shoes, remember, if you've walked a lot that day, your feet are actually going to be a little bigger. So that's the good time to buy the shoes is after you have walked for a while because you don't want to get home and the next day you wear them and say, wow, these shoes are a little little too tight. So go ahead and walk for a while before you do some shoe purchases. It's always better to buy them a little bit bigger than too small. And each foot, each part of your foot should be comfortable in your new shoes or your new boots. The ball of your foot should fit the widest part of the shoe without issue. And there should be at least a half an inch or so from the end of your toes to the inside of the shoe. The upper part of the shoe should be flexible enough not to cause damage on your instep. And your heels should not slip up and down when you walk, which could mean that they're a little too big. Soles should be thick uh, with sturdy material. If you're wearing high-cut boots, it'll actually help prevent ankle strains by giving more support and help protect against the occasional, if you're outdoors, those horrible snake bites. Don't buy shoes that are too tight and expect them to stretch. They might... Of course, that's what the shoe salesmen like to tell you. But you might go through a lot of discomfort to get to that point. 
Uh, you could consider buying shoes online, but really you should walk in a shoe first before making any purchase decisions. However, if you've purchased a particular boot or shoe prior, you know the brand, you know your exact size, it doesn't look like the style's changed, you could buy them online because you already know your size and you know that they're comfortable for you. Uh, your feet are shaped differently from the next person's, so one brand of boot might be good for you and another might be better for the other person. Uh, if you are going to be doing the outdoor walking, heavier boots like steel-toed are great uh, if you're chopping wood. Remember, it's safety, but they're also pretty heavy. So just consider that when you're going for long walks, that that extra pound of weight in your boot is like five extra pounds of weight in your back. Consider for the longer walks getting soft, flexible uppers that will help. In wet climates, waterproof materials you might consider like Gore-Tex could be your friend. A special note, unless you count Shoemaker as one of your survival skills, Buy an extra pair or two now while they're still available and break them in. Wear them. Wear the socks that you typically wear and make sure that they become as comfortable as possible. Another factor in keeping your feet healthy is socks. Most people hike in the same pair of socks all day long, even in the heat of summer. This is damaging to your feet as it is to your nose. <laughs> Sweaty feet are unhappy feet. Wetness increases friction and gives you blisters. Ooh, that's not a good thing. Make sure to change your socks often and have replacement pairs as a standard item in your backpack for those long hikes or your camping trips. Consider the use of a lighter second pair of socks, considered sock liners, under the thick hiking boots for use as additional protection. Uh, you could use foot powders like Gold Bond or even cornstarch to keep your feet drier. Think about getting some insoles. Who wouldn't want more support and comfort? Dr. Scholl is a nice guy, and he just wants to help you. Blisters are perhaps uh, one of the most common ailments, especially when you're on those really long walks. Think about getting some um, blister foam. Uh, it can help you if you get the blisters. Getting these blisters is probably because you're failing to do foot care. In other words, you're failing to get the fitting, perfectly fitting shoes, you're not having enough socks, and you're allowing your feet to get sweaty and wet. And I know that we've got a lot of rugged individuals out there who say, oh, no pain, no gain, but blisters can be a really serious problem. So we're going to talk about that next week. Thanks for joining us. I know. We're out of time. Ugh, how does that happen? You've been listening to the Survival Medicine Hour with the beautiful Nurse Amy <laughs> and some old guy. Oh, and I just want to say again, happy Thanksgiving 2016, everyone.